Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Levinio to Levin. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 12 Pro Tour events and 35 Pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Jenny Grip, her maiden name Hansen, has an impressive number of Ski Classic States wins, seven in total. She retired from skiing in 2013 and among her prestigious victories are Machalonga in 2008 and 2010, Birke in 2010, Vasa Lopet in 2011 and Che Vasan in 2011. During her Ski Classics career between 2011 and 2013, she was on the podium 10 times and finished among the eight best skiers in every race she did. She won the Yellow Champion Bip in 2012 and was second in 2011 and third in 2013. She also represented her country Sweden at some World Cup events and finished third in a four times five kilometer relay race in 2008. She also won FIS Marathon Cup twice in 2009 and in 2010. After her skiing career, she worked as the CEO of Orefels Loped, a race that used to be part of Bisma Ski Classics. She is now the communications officer for the Swedish Investment Fund Association. She's going to celebrate her 40th birthday this August. Welcome, Jeanne Grieb, to Levinia to Levy podcast. Thanks a lot. Where are you? Where, where do you live? Actually, I'm uh, living in Stockholm. So right now I'm home in my home in Stockholm. So, so Volodalen is not your home anymore? Not anymore, but we still have a small uh, house there. So it's the most beautiful place, I think, in Sweden. Uh, and we really like to be in Volodalen a lot. But uh, I used to say that we are on a, on a long uh, trip to Stockholm. But uh, for sure the trip will end and we will yeah. move back to uh, Jämtland or uh, Volodalen. What, what's the best thing with Volodalen? Why is that so uh, such a beautiful place or a good place? I think uh, it remembers me a lot about uh, the place I was born in, uh, Gällivare. In Volodalen I have the mountains, I have the lakes, I have uh, just a really beautiful uh, nature to be in. It's difficult uh, to work with funds in uh, in Volodalen or what do you what are you doing at your work? Yeah, uh, I'm working with fund saving so then for sure it's uh, difficult uh, to work uh, with the, that kind of stuff from Volodalen. Volodalen is a really small village. We I think it's uh, 25 people that is uh, living there right now. Uh, I guess uh, you need to work with uh, tourism if you are going to stay in that place. What do you do? Like people have a bag of money and they come to you and say, hey, what should I do with this money? Where should I, what, what kind of investment should I do? Or like what's your role in your, at your job? Yeah, actually I'm working with the communication. So I cannot uh, tell you what to do, but uh, I can give you the keys so you can kind of make your own uh, uh, shoes and uh, find some, a good solution. I have a website that I'm taking care of and uh, you can uh, learn a lot about fund and fund savings and uh, stay on your own legs and make your own decisions. So that's basically what I'm doing. 
is that busy times during Corona? Yes, uh, I would like to say that. Uh, if you compare to skiing, so I would like to explain it like uh, you are injured and uh, you you need to fix your injured in some some kind of way. So I guess uh, if you get uh, really injured, you go to a doctor and the doctor fix you, but still you need to make the rehab for some uh, months or maybe years before you are back uh, on the same level as before. So I guess it's the same thing right now in this kind of business. So just stay with your long-term goal and uh, don't rush because uh, I think everything will be will be good in the end. It was a very nice analogy and many similarities to to, to cross-country skiing. But is do you think uh, your since you have been a professional athlete, in what way does it help you at your work? Mm, that's kind of a tricky question <laughs> you're having to me, but I think it's uh, I'm a very uh, I have a good structure uh, on my work to do, but I also think that. Um, savings uh, is also a lot about having goals and having short-term goals and long-term goals and that's exactly the same thing that you have when you are an athlete so I think the way you're thinking is uh, helped me a lot so I will say that uh, if you're working uh, with this kind of business uh, you and you want to make some good investments you can see that uh, savings is like a muscle of it that it will never end <laughs> you have some uh, downs and you have some ups and uh, for sure uh, you will get cramp on the way and right now i believe we all have a bit of a cramp <laughs> <laughs> certainly so you're from jelvar which is way up uh, north in sweden when when did you start skiing and how was that yes um i think i would like to answer on that question that i started when i was like zero <laughs> but uh, that, that was just for fun I uh, Yellowvare is above the polar circle so we have uh, winter like nine months a year at least eight months a year <laughs> so um, when uh, my my parents I had also a lot of energy when I was a small kid so my parents I think they thought it was a good solution just to put me on skis and then uh, I could get rid of some energy so I started in a ski club when I was eight years old, and that was we have the the ski track just uh, behind our house, so it was uh, kind of easy for me, and it was easy for my parents also. So they just put me on that ski track, and I started to ski. And it was fun just from the start. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as far as I can remember, I have always loved it. So I was playing a lot with the skis. We had a, a small mountain behind the house, or just. Uh, not a mountain it, it was a small downhill so I was skiing in that downhill up and down up and down and it was on this uh, on real skis and it was on this uh, really small mini skis I think you oh, called yeah. it you know you yeah. remember yeah I remember those <laughs> that, that, those was back in the times so I also had those on the feet and yeah so I, I really loved to play a lot with skis with the skis in on my foot so and then um I have always, uh, as I remember, loved uh, the way of um, training, like uh, get rid of energy and I felt really good after skiing. What other sports did you do when you were younger? 
I did everything you you can do, <laughs> but not in a not in a strict form, like not for a club. I was uh, ice skating a lot just for fun, and I was running a lot just for fun. I did soccer. Yeah, that that was in a in a club, but I think I was in the team just because I was running so much, not that I had the, the control of the ball. When you became a junior and a young senior, how were your results? As a junior, I had pretty good results. So um, I was skiing fast as a kid and then I got some downs. And the first years as a senior skier, I think the results was not uh, that good. But uh, I kept up the training and going on and then it gets, uh, I get better and better results. So, was that the reason why you traveled to the US for a year at the university? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I just felt that uh, I needed to uh, have some different experience, and I also I also wanted to have one year in another school. Uh, so I think it's for me it was a really good solution. So I moved there, and they have all kind of. Uh, I went to uh, Utah uh, University of Utah. And we're living in Salt Lake City. And it was right after the Olympics. So all the training facilities was uh, fantastic. It was, uh, I had such a great year there. Yeah. I remember seeing you there once in the NCAA finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and at, as a Swede or Norwegian, it seems like if you're not good enough, you travel to the US and ski a little bit and party a lot. And then you go back home and kind of retire. That's mm-hmm. the the way many people do. How would you, what's your opinion about that? Yeah, I, actually, I heard about that before I was going. But for me, it was a lot about the education also. It was not uh, just about the skiing. So I saw the opportunity to have a good year, uh, education year. And uh, What did you study? Uh, I had some economics there. Mm. So, um, but I also think that uh, for me it was the opportunity to learn something new, and also to be away from home and just uh, I didn't know anyone when I got there. So I think it was uh, kind of an adventure year for me. And I, in my uh, goal, I was seeing me as a skier a lot of years after this also. So. Um, I know that people told me that, uh, okay, so you are going to uh, retire now. You are not going to ski anymore. And I was like, what? Uh, why not? This uh, And uh, actually, this was uh, a fantastic year for me. It was a lot of experience and uh, all the facilities that you can have in a, in a university like this was uh, amazing. You can not find it in Sweden anywhere. So we have the physiotherapist. We have we had everything around us. It sounds like this is something you would recommend to a 22 or 24 or 20 years old skier uh, that's not on a national team. Yes, uh, for sure. If you have a year uh, that you feel that you need something more, uh, another level to your training, for sure you should think about to go to another country or uh, especially to to a college like this. When I do these interviews, I, I try to look in the archive, uh, look for older interviews, uh, 
And I found one that I did with you in 2007, in the end of 2007. And at that time, you had recently done your first World Cup abroad. You were 26 year, 27 years old when you did your first World Cup, right? Abroad? Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it took you some years to get to the top. Yeah, it took me some years. Uh, yeah, for sure. So what happened after the US when you got home? Yeah, I got home and I, um, I started to work a bit and I still had some... Uh, I was still on the university in Östersund and then I started to work with a ski gymnasium in Järpen. And uh, then I was, uh, it was uh, fitting me really well to work with these uh, young students uh, at, the ski univers- at the ski gymnasium. So I, I kept on skiing and tried to reach my long-term goal and just uh, train. What's your best advice? To, I mean, there are many people out there that are fighting. Maybe they are like not top 50 in Visma Ski Classics races or they are like, they're kind of behind the, the real elite group. What, what kind of advice would you give to those people that mm. are not, they're not juniors, they're seniors, but they are not at the level they want to get to? No, I think as a senior, you you need to know that you will have some years there that are not going uh, just as you want them to go, because uh, training and hard training, you, you need a lot of years with hard training to be really good, and uh, you can uh, it can be easy, but it can also be really hard. People that are training eight nine hundred hours each year, they will reach results if they. Uh, could find uh, a good way to do it in and then then I mean with work or with uh, school or also with the rest or family time you need to have um, all those uh, stuffs uh, together and if you find a solution that fit you you will for sure get the results the training part is not the hard part it's it's kind of easy to train 900 hours it's the the hours between the training that is the hard part and that I think is uh, the the factor that uh, the youths are missing. <laughs> Do you think that's uh, like a general problem? Um, yeah, people for, have too yeah, much for, things around. I think so, uh, especially for uh, for twenty two, twenty three, twenty four years old uh, skiers. They think that uh, either the best way is just to be on the sofa uh, watching TV between the training, and that's may in my point of view, it's not maybe the best solution, and. Uh, on the other hand, you have these that want to do everything, so they are making a lot between the trainings, and that's not either a good solution. So for me, I, I find uh, this uh, solution when I moved up to Wåledala, and uh, I was traveling a lot uh, with uh, the team, and I was uh, training a lot, and between I could just have uh, have a good time up in Wåledala. In the same interview in the end of 2007, you just did a World Cup and then you were about to ski Laiskambeda, which means that you you did both long distance skiing and World Cup skiing. Uh, so you were interested in long distance skiing when you were at your top as a traditional skier. What, what's like, why do you like long distance skiing? 
I think I'm bored as a long distance skier, actually. <laughs> so uh, I did my first really long race, or for me in those days, I think I was 11 or 12. Uh, I did a 30k race, and uh, my parents was not really into this uh, that I would made a, such a long race. They wouldn't go with me. They told what me what race was that? It was uh, called Dundret Runt. Yeah, that's what I guessed. Yeah, so Dundret so you... <laughs> is the big, big mountain in Gällivare. Yeah, exactly. So you can do the 50k and the 30k. And the 50k I don't think is allowed to do when you're 11. And the 30k was allowed if you have someone with you that was uh, old enough. So I needed to have a walk in the neighborhood and I asked around (laughs) if someone could do this race with me. So I guess if you have this kind of thoughts when you are 11, you you have it in the blood. So uh, and also after that, I I still continued to do this kind of races as um, when I could, but not uh, not as uh, not for the results, just for uh, the adventure. So, so if yeah. you were uh, 20 years old today, do you think you will have, because sw- Bismarcky Classics didn't exist when you were 20, do you think you will uh, would have skipped the traditional skier and jumped right into long distance skiing? I don't think so, uh, because uh, I also had a lot of fun to make the, the tra- traditional distance, so... I, I like sprints, I like the 10k, the, so I think um, as a skier it's good to have a little bit of everything when you are young, but uh, for sure when you get older you might have a, um, yeah, you might uh, take a decision, because for me I did the World Cup and I did the long distance skiing, and it was uh, after season I was totally off for some months because I made the Tour de Ski and after Tour de Ski I was just, as you told me, I was just uh, jumping um, to a long distance races in Yeserska. Everyone else was uh, like uh, resting a week or two or maybe three weeks. So um, it was um, it, it was maybe not the best solution, but I, yeah, I you, you actually I really love it. I could not uh, take the decision. I was just going on. You actually won Yuserska just a few days after you finished in thirty-eighth uh, place in a Tour de Ski in yeah. two thousand eight. That, that was the year that Charlotte Kala won. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, yeah, how many days after? Like, was it a week after? Or? Yeah, I think it was the weekend after. Yeah, so I just get home and I prepared the long distance skiing and I went off again. Yeah, and as a World Cup skier, you have been fifteenth in sprint and you have been on the podium in the relay. But your real good results have been in long distance. Did you see just a week or two ago that there is something called the Grand Classics? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, and you are together with Anders Auckland, Petter Eliasen and Christina Paluselli. The four of you have won all the Grand Classics, which is um, which are Vasaloppet, Marchalonga, Berkebeiner and Yuserska. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that part I missed, but I saw that I, I saw that they will have something called this. And now they're looking for someone to do it in the same year. No one has done it. Uh, how was it to, to win uh, like your first big long distance race uh, abroad? Really nice, of course, because uh, 
like a long long distance races it's so much more than just skiing uh, i think when i'm done the the ordinary distance um, you can you can have a a day that is not perfect but you can still have pretty good results but in a long distance skiing it's about so much more than just uh, just the skis and you you need to have everything around you and for me uh, it was kind of a victory for a whole team and uh, that uh, that was also really like really big for me so so in 2008 the team was that Volodalen yeah Volodalen was the team and who was who was it on Volodalen who who was in the team it was uh, me it was Oscar Svärd and it was Jerry Arlin what, what kind of support did you have how many like service people did you have no, we, d- we didn't have that much service people, but we were traveling to this uh, competition together and we had a plan. So uh, I also think that's, that's the thing. You need to have a plan before the race, uh, where to have feeds and what to have and uh, yeah, uh, how to organize everything of this part. So that's also a part of the long distance skiing that I really like to have a kind of structure before the race and then for sure everything will not end up as you planned but still to make this plan to have the the yeah the thinking before the race uh, was really was really nice for me when and why did you start skiing long distance races at 100 percent or almost 100 percent yeah i think it was something about 2008 9 as you mentioned, uh, after 2007. Uh, but I was kind of training for the long distance races. But my result was uh, as good as I could do the, cross, the ordinary World Cup also. So uh, when I got the question, I was taking the opportunity to do those races also. So, but I think my my training was for the long distance races. Uh, I have been training for that since uh, two thousand and eight. So how did you switch your training? Interesting. I don't think I switched the training so much, but my uh, long term goal was to win the long distance races. So I guess uh, me and uh, Susan Nyström, we were training a lot together, and uh, we were training uh, a lot. Um, it might be a lot more upper body than the normal skier, as a like lady skier was doing. So I think uh, maybe it was uh, a bit more like that. Let's listen to to Susan. Uh, as a teammate, Jenny was um, very supporting for me. She meant a lot during the time we spent together. We were together in different teams for some years and. Uh, uh, she was supportive and I got the feeling that she was as happy for me as she was for herself. So she meant a lot. I think that the best, uh, Jenny's best features was that she she always had a plan. Even if it was just training, she had a plan on how she wanted to, to do the training and what we were going to get out of it. And I think that was one of her biggest, one of the best things with, with Jenny was that she never... She always had a good plan with what we were going to do, if it was a training or if it was a competition. Uh, we always discussed what, what we had, what plans we had, and then we performed. And that was important, and it gave, the, uh, it gave good results. 
I remember one time when we had a training session in Ramso when I didn't want to go I didn't want to go train. <laughs> I wasn't in I was in a bad shape and I was tired and it was the end of the of the camp and uh, in the bus to the training session Jenny gave me some candy and said that uh, now let's do this. <laughs> and I don't remember when we came to competitions uh, the time when uh, then they won Shay Vasan and Vasaloppet the same year. I just remember that that meant a lot for me too. I was very happy for her. That was uh, Susan Nyström, that was your teammate and uh, team expert and team coop. Yeah, wow. It was really nice to hear her. Do you still keep in touch? Yes, uh, we do. Actually, she's uh, she have become uh, in we we met in skiing and we have become uh, really close friends. So um, we are seeing each other and we have kids in the same age. And I really like her her company. So we try to keep in touch. Um, do you remember that section when you gave her candy? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was not a lot of times that we needed the candy for the training because uh, as far as I remember, when we were training together, we were training really hard. So I, I cannot say exactly that uh, time, but uh, I, I remember another time and then we were in training camp in Endermatt. And that was in this time that we were thinking about that we need to be stronger, uh, especially on the upper body. So um, we just wanted to go up in one of those roads uh, without using the legs. And uh, halfway, she was kind of crying. (laughs) And I told her that, come on, we need to uh, keep on going because we are going to be the strongest one. And in the next curve, I was kind of crying. And we we really pushed each other over the, the border. Uh, every time that we trained so in in the top of this hill we we was bleeding they had the hands was bleeding <laughs> because it was so hard and we were out for hours and uh, everyone around us was thinking what the hell are you doing <laughs> this, this uh, kind of training will not make you better but uh, as uh, she she told uh, we really had a plan and uh, our plan was to be the best long distance uh, ladies in the world yeah and you certainly succeeded Susanne Nyström has great results and you were second the first year of Ismaski Classics you won the uh, the second year and you were third the third year Mm. this was 2011 to 2013 Uh, Laila Kvele was the first woman to win Vasaloppet without kick wax in 2014, I believe. Mm-hmm. How was, I mean, you must have been right in the middle of the development with double pulling. Actually, I think that it was me and Susan that started the, the double pulling. <laughs> because I remember the, from Shea Vasan once. Yeah, that exactly. Were... Because we, we were training, we, we just uh, saw uh, uh, that we also can do this. So we, we can be stronger. So. I, I think actually we we started that trend, uh, at least for the ladies. So it was that year in 
say about them. In the training season, like just when we started up, we made some uh, goals together and it was kind of like this winter we will just uh, double pull and uh, we were training for it. Uh, so each uh, training we had together, we have this in mind. So for us, it was kind of a long-term goal. But we en- when we ended up in Shevasan and told uh, our coaches and the waxers that uh, tomorrow we will go on these kind of skis, they were uh, looking at us and was like, okay, but are you really sure? And we were like, yes, we are. <laughs> and they didn't really trust us, not even the coach. He was kind of like, this is not a good idea. Are you really sure mm-hmm. about this? And then we committed uh, the night before that if uh, tomorrow morning we would take the decision, if one of us take the decision to go yes, double pulling, the other one need to also. <laughs> because we were thinking that if we are two, we're going to have a success. If you are alone, it might be harder. So uh, the morning after uh, we woke up, uh, the sun had a really good feeling, as usual, <laughs> when it's uh, time for Shevasan. And uh, yeah. I felt that I actually not was 100% healthy. But I, my decision was to make the race anyway. But I, will, uh, I wanted to save the power. So uh, when we got to this place, so we met the Vexers and they had the skis. The sun was uh, going out and testing skis and uh, I was just... Uh, sitting in the car uh, saving power and she got back to me and I was looking at her because I knew that we will go double pulling but the feeling I had in the morning was like okay please tell that we go with wax because I'm uh, I'm not 100% healthy but I didn't want to tell her that I was not healthy so I just uh, waited for her and she told me that okay it's all clear so I was only like okay take my skis to the start line and just go. So I would like to say that really uh, we succeed. Uh, Suzanne uh, was the winner and I was on the podium and to be on the podium with uh, this feeling in the body was uh, amazing. It was just, It was uh, a really good feel that that year actually. It was uh, Suzanne and Sofia Blecker in second place and behind if you look behind you we find Sara Lindborg, Anna Hagla, Lakveli, Maria Rydqvist, Nina yeah, Lindsen, it yeah. was Lina Korski and it was very good feel there top 10. Yeah. So I, I think I remember, I actually remember this day uh, just because there was a, a lot going on but uh, I think the the most fun part of it was uh, when we were testing skis the day before and uh, someone started to talk that because they saw what kind of skis we were testing. So you're kind of, okay, are, are these girls going to go on without kickbacks tomorrow? And no one believed it. So <laughs> it uh, happened a lot in these years. So everyone, and in the morning I was out walking um, beside the trek and then some other team coaches were coming and, okay, so... Uh, what uh, what are you going to do today? Kind of, and then uh, uh, we were we didn't say anything because we were thinking that this is our power power thing. <laughs> so when uh, when we get to the first hill uh, in Shevasan, you have kind of flat part the first uh, five hundred meters, and then you get to a small hill. And then when we kept go going on with just double pulling, we heard uh, the other ladies in the field like. 
oh shit, they are double pulling and then I was looking at the sun and they were like, okay, we have already won this race. So. <laughs> I think I, I was actually standing in that very first hill taking photos and yeah. I think the sun was, I think she was first or at yeah. least like yeah. among we- the first in the very beginning after the first hill. Exactly. And we knew that we need to be really fast out because if someone uh, not have that good grip in the first hill and you get stuck with, uh, without grip, then you are stuck. So we kind of knew that we need to be really fast. Would you say that this race was kind of the t- turning point for double pulling among women? Like, was that the time you realized that, oh, soon is most races going to be double pulling? I think so. <clears throat> That was kind of the we 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 crossed the border. What that is uh, doable or not? And uh, I think in that race, everyone saw that uh, the day after the race, uh, me and Susan told each other that okay, so no one will win this race with kickbacks on skis anymore. That was kind of uh, the conclusion after the race. So uh, I'm sorry for for Vasalapet <laughs> that uh, we started that trend in Shivasan, but. Uh, for the ski years, I, I think it was uh, really fun. You double pulled that race and then you continue with lots of double pulling. Like how uh, you're a woman and among the men, there are a lot like not only the professional athletes, but also the, the recreational skiers that are in good shape or double pulling races. What would you say to like amateur skiers? Uh, female skiers like how what what do you need to think about like uh, training wise what's different compared to the men uh, compared to the men i think it's no different you you make the same training that as they do there is no difference in how what kind of race profile or if you have good endurance or if you're strong or like there's nothing else to think about yeah, as a as a professional skier, I think everything is doable. Uh, it might be the the deepest um, uphills you need kickbacks to perform really well. And for the amateur skiers, I would say that uh, if I see the the man that was around me when I was doing the races, it was not nice skiing at all. So I would tell them to stay with kickbacks if you're not strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> was it both cheating and ugly technique? Yeah, it was. Mm. And uh, I would say that 80% of those would would like to perform better with kickbacks, for sure. Because they, they have done a better race with kickbacks. They were not strong enough to make it without. So that's uh, that's what I'm seeing. And that's what I'm seeing still when I'm looking at races. The really top athletes and the, the like the... First, uh, 300 in Vasalopet is okay, but after 300, you, you see techniques that not is okay. About your training, how, how many hours did you put in each year when you were at the top? About 800, 850. So what do you think you did different compared to other skiers or the, the general regime you used? I think uh, I worked a lot with my upper body. So in these years, it was some years ago now, I think it was a different, a big different between comparing uh, to um, the other ones. And um, I also think uh, I had a, a plan with my training. So 
if I was, I did never, I was really, I don't know how to explain it, but I think I was, um, I needed a good feeling in the body to push the body. So if I went out on a training and uh, I did not have the right feeling, I tried to, I tried to keep to the plan, but I also tried to figure out if the feeling was bad because my head was lazy or if the feeling was bad <laughs> because the training had been a bit too much. And usually it ended up with the conclusion that uh, I should take a day off. Did you do the other way around also? Like if you felt good, if you had an easy day, you did no. some intervals? No, never. <laughs> never in the other way <laughs> i i love to train so yeah i i knew that i need to keep the plan because otherwise i will go full speed every day nowadays there are many skiers to do not just long workouts but very long workouts when you were skiing how often did you ski more than like three or four hours not that often um It depends. I think it depends how much uh, it takes, uh, like what what kind of training uh, you have around. So if you are skiing four hours a day, uh, you have um, you need to rest more because before the body is really fresh again, and um, it might be a good preparation in uh, before uh, the first uh, long distance race. But after they, that, if you are racing every weekend and you are out racing for three four it might be five hours i don't think you need it this kind of training and in summer times it might be better to have two uh, three hours training sessions than one one six hours training session is each day why is that i think that you can keep up uh, a higher speed or maybe do something different and you have a faster recovery how much did you run or did you run at all Yes, I run a lot. Do you think it's necessary for a long distance skiing skier that are double pulling all the races to run? Yes, I think. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Uh, it might be that they have uh, better solutions for the double pulling training these uh, in these years. I, I don't know how how people are training right now, but <clears throat> for me, uh, especially when you get older. Double pulling is really hard for the upper body and uh, I guess you can get injured if you just are double pulling all the time. And also it's uh, it's good for the heart to have some some running into the training. So I guess it's just to save the body. You need a mix between something. So so you still can keep up a good a good speed and keep up uh, keep up the work. Do you know your time in 3000 meter running or 10k running? Actually not, but I was a really slow runner. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was running. Uh, I was running in the in the in the wood in trail as fast as, as I was running in the field. So <laughs> typical skier. <laughs> yeah. So I had the, I had the kind of the same time. <laughs> Do you know your VO2 max? I don't. You never tested. Yes, I did a lot of times, but that's not. Uh, I don't remember. I don't, I don't like to remember those kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do, you have, do you know your bench press, your best result? No, uh, I did never uh, test my best results in the bench press. Was that an exercise you used? 
I your strength it. training? Yes, yes, I used it a lot, but I did never uh, uh, try to make my maximum. But I, I was not that strong. <clears throat> How much do you follow the skiing today? Do you see the races on TV from Vismanski Classics? Yeah, I try to. Uh, for sure, I uh, I know the podium of every races, but uh, the races are really long and I have two kids, so it's kind of hard to to see the whole race uh, a, a weekend when we have a weekend off. So, But uh, for sure, I'm interested and uh, as if I have the possibility to look at the race, I, I'm trying to. So I, I know the race and I try to keep up with the results, so I, I'm still interested. And you mentioned your kids there. How how old are your kids? Yeah, they turn three and five in the end of the summer. So do they ski? Turn... Yeah, they ski. Can you ski in Stockholm, or do you need to be up in Vollendalen? Uh, we need to be up in Vollendalen. I would like to say, but uh, yes, we are skiing in Stockholm. <laughs> so <laughs> this winter we had some days here in Stockholm skiing. But uh, yeah, we like a lot of we make a lot of sports. My youngest uh, have been clarifying for me that uh, he's not really in love to do cross country skiing, but he <laughs> loves the alpine skiing. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we make a lot of alpine skiing, oh. and that's for sure not possible uh, this kind of winter in Stockholm. But uh, one and a half kilometer away from from our house, we have an alpine slope. Oh, is that the Solentuna backen? Yeah. Or what's it? Yeah. When you look at the ski, like what, what you're thinking, like, do, do you ever think like, Hmm, how would I be, if I skied this race, could I have been, could I win it? Could I have been on the podium or have you thought about the development? Did you think they're like training so much harder and they are so strong today? Or do you think it's about the same as before? Or I think uh, they are not training that much harder than uh, me and Susan was doing, but maybe uh, for sure, um, since we were in the beginning of this kind of uh, typical training for long distance skiing, I think uh, it have developed a lot. So, and for sure, I know that if I would uh, compete today, I will not reach that kind of results. Uh, that's that's really for sure. But if I have been uh, training. Uh, it might be possible if I have stayed up with the training in that kind of level. But uh, if I have a bib on my in a race, my head will for sure think that it will be possible. But uh, for sure, I know it's not possible. Do, do you miss racing? Somehow I do. I don't miss the cross-country races and the long-distance races, but I, I miss the atmosphere. So I don't miss to be to ha- to have cramp and just uh, <laughs> push my uh, limit, uh, but uh, I I miss the atmosphere around uh, all those uh, competitions. You mean the people and uh, testing skis the day before and yeah, exactly everything around the the race um, when you are on the like in Mora and Vasaloppe, you have the, the the feeling in everyone around so. I kind of miss the feeling when you get to to really close to the race. Yeah. What's your best memory from a race? Uh, that's hard, <laughs> but uh, I would like to say the the victory in Vasaloppet uh, is uh, is my best memory. In two thousand eleven. Yeah. How how, how did, was that the perfect day? 
the perfect race? Yeah, I think it was a, a perfect race. Uh, I had a really good day. I had really good skis. Um, the feeding was working perfect. So it was a really, really, really good day. And I was uh, at that time, uh, I was enjoying skiing a lot because I, didn't, I hadn't done that much races this that winter before. So uh, I was really, really happy to be on the start line and uh, also, yes, that part to be on the start line was kind of a victory for me. And then uh, the race was uh, just perfect. If you look at the schedule at Vismaski Classics, mm-hmm. what what would you like to change? <laughs> that one is tricky, but I think it's a good idea to to make the changes that have been developed now. Uh, that you have uh, you try to have uh, kind of these four races together and uh, I think it's really hard for a long distance skier to make every race uh, and have the main goal to win every race every weekend so you kind of need to pick up some races that you want to win otherwise it will be too hard for the body to recover and then just keep in touch with good reasons. There are many of those races that are new that you haven't done which one would you like to ski as a as an amateur skier? Oh, uh, I uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone <laughs> that I don't have done yet, I would love to ski. So uh, uh, actually, I think everyone who is races. Have you done a single Vismaski Classics race since you retired? No. I have not done any race on on uh, cross-country <laughs> skis since I retired. So. <laughs> it's time to sign up. Yeah, it might be. Thank you very much, Jenny, for um, your time. And good luck with uh, everything you're doing. So we'll see you out on the tracks. Uh, uh, we, we see. <laughs> Hopefully I can be some around the tracks. <laughs> This podcast is a W Sports Media production.